It's good to be here this morning in the Lord's house, and I'd like to invite you to open your Bible to the 78th Psalm. And what we'd like you to do is look in your bulletin and find an outline and follow along with us. Make some notes this morning if you'd like to, because we're going to talk to you about a very interesting subject. Where are we going and how did we get here? What are we talking about? Well, we're talking about this building that you're sitting in this morning. We're talking to you about this church, this group of people that are here. Now, this is the end of a vacation week. A lot of people are missing this morning because they're away in places. Our choir was smaller. Uh, the first service, we had a lot more people out. I guess the ones that were in town, most of them wanted to come to the early service. So we, that was about normal this today. But I noticed that a lot of folks are missing that are usually here and I can think of so many that haven't gotten back from a week of vacation. I wish they were all here because I want the entire church to hear some of the things that we want to talk to you about this morning. A few weeks ago, Dr. Miller from Western Baptist was here and he talked about the rocks that the people of Israel were told of after they had crossed the Jordan River. He talked about the pile of rocks that he was building uh, and making up in, in uh, Western Baptist College in order to let uh, people know and remind them constantly of all of the things that God has done. Well, we're not have a rock pile today, but certainly I'm going to say this to you. Sit down. I have a story to tell you. And this morning, I want to talk to you a little bit about what God has done. Now, the first part of the question, by the way, I was in Atlanta all week, so uh, it ended up that I was the one that... Uh, uh, put the outline together and I left the question mark off. So you put that on. Get your outline correct. Where are we going and how did we get here? Where are we going? Well, we're on the, the, on the threshold of a brand new building program. Is that what God wants for us? Is that what God is directing us to do? That's a question that I'm sure you've asked yourself on more than one occasion, as I have asked myself as well. With that, we are here this morning in this building, and uh, some of you don't have any background in Santa Rosa Bible Church that goes beyond this building here. How many in this room this morning, your entire association with Santa Rosa Bible Church has begun this building right here? How many this morning? You weren't there in the other building. Yes, we have so many of you that are brand new. Have you ever wondered, how did this church happen to get, to get here? Where did it come from? Did this building suddenly appear? In 1984, I visited uh, the Temple of Karanak in Luxor, in the country of Egypt. Now, the, the city of Luxor is about 300 miles upstream from Cairo on the Nile River. If you cross the Nile River at Luxor, you can visit the Valley of the Queens and the Valley of the Kings. You can go in and go clear down to the end of all of those great tombs that those pharaohs had built. A fascinating, interesting place to go. One of the places that I visited was the Temple of Karanak, which is right there in the city of Luxor. Now, one of the exciting, th one of the outstanding things that impressed me was this obelisk that was th standing there. And that obelisk had been standing there for centuries. Now, perhaps you're not aware of what an obelisk is. It's also called a monolith. If you'd like to have a, 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 vis a visible picture of, a, of an obelisk, Think of the Washington Monument. The Washington Monument is an obelisk. It's a four-sided uh, uh, structure that goes on up and ends at the top in a pyramid a form. Now, this obelisk was over 100 feet high, but it was different than the Washington Monument because it was made out of 
one stone. The Washington Monument, of course, is made on, uh, out of stone upon stone, one piled upon the other. In fact, when they built it, when I was a young boy, the uh, children from America gave their dimes to buy bricks for the Washington Monument. I'm responsible, in part, for that monument. But I was amazed as I looked at that monument, that obelisk at the Temple of Karanak, because you see, that is 100 feet tall, and it weighs over a 1,000 tons. It's made out of one rock. And there aren't any stones around Karanak. There aren't any mountains or any places to quarry stones. And they had to, to quarry that stone and make that obelisk 300 miles up the Nile River. And then they put it on barges, and they brought it down the Nile River, and they then somehow or another got that one over 1,000 ton piece of rock into place, and then they set it up, and there it has stayed ever since. And the thing that was just filling me with curiosity was this. How did they do that? How could they possibly move it? And then, having moved it, how did they ever get it up there? And the guide said, perhaps many of you are wondering how they did this. And then my ears perked up. Now we will find out. How did they do it? And the guide said, we don't know. <laughs> we don't know. And so I have to share with you this morning that we still don't know how that got there. Who did it? We know who did it, but we don't know how they did it. Have you ever thought, have you ever, when you come in here and you sit down in these pews, I wonder if you know how it got here. You know, it's very biblical and scriptural for us to think about things like this. In fact, it's strengthening and helpful to us. As we look at our outline, you notice the first thing that we ask then is, how did we get here? And the passage of scripture that I've taken to you is Psalm 78. And in verses 1 through 3 of Psalm, 1 through uh, 7 of Psalm 78, we find that the psalmist reveals to us that it is God's will for you and me to reflect on the past. Notice what he says. Listen, O my people, to my instruction. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us. We will not conceal them from their children, but tell to the generations to come the praises of the Lord and His strength and His wondrous works that He has done. For He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which He commanded our fathers that they should teach them to their children so that the generation to come might know, even the children yet to be born, that they may arise and tell them to their children that they then should put their confidence in God and not forget the works of God, but keep His commandments. Now, here is a mandate, a mandate that has come from heaven itself. God says, I want you to tell people what I have done. This morning, we've stood in this room, and one by one, people have given testimony to the fact that God saved them. That is a very important thing for you and me to do. The scripture says, let the redeemed say so. We are enjoined to witness to others the glorious and wonderful experience and transformation that salvation has affected in our lives. But just as surely as we should recount our salvation 
and tell of the things that God has done, we need to tell people of the other things that God has done in our lives. Why? Because, he tells us in verses uh, <clears throat> verse 4 and 5, it brings praise to our God. We will not conceal them from our children, but tell to the generations to come the praises of the Lord. When you and I talk about what God has done, it is a testimony to His name and to the marvelous and wonderful things that He has accomplished. It is a testimony to His power. Notice what it says there in verse 4. about We will talk about these things because they are a constant reminder to us of the power and might and strength of God. When I sit in this room and I reflect on what God has done, and when I reflect on how God has brought it about, I cannot help but be constantly reminded of the fact that God can do anything. That there is nothing that's too hard for God. That nothing with God is impossible. And that in turn strengthens me. That in turn encourages me to move on out into the future. The power of God sustains the believer. When the Apostle Paul was in prison and he wrote to the Philippian church, what did he say in that letter? In the fourth chapter, verse 13, he said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. As you and I go through life, we are going to be faced with discouraging circumstances. We're going to be faced with distressing situations in our lives. Things that are going to come up constantly that will have a negative impact upon us. But it's good for you and me to reflect and look back and see that in all of our times, in all of our ways, that the power of God was never lacking. That we are, that our Heavenly Father has all power in heaven and earth. That every problem, every difficulty, He is greater than that problem. He is greater than that difficulty. And that's wonderfully important to remember. You know, we face a formidable foe. The world around us is bad enough, but Satan is constantly arrayed against the child of God. But praise God, the Bible says what? Greater is he that is in you than what? He that is in the world. And so the power of God is, is revealed to us as we look back on the wonderful things that he has done. And then it brings praise to the Lord because we recount his wonderful works. As we look back over our lives and we see how that God has led and God has directed and God has provided and God has moved in this place and in that way, we cannot help but say, praise God for the fact that where God came in and where God directed, God provided in marvelous and wonderful ways. How did we get here? Let me tell you just a few things. I feel bad about this morning that I only have time to tell you just a few of the wonderful and marvelous things and the miracles that God has performed to allow you and me to be sitting here this morning. You to be sitting, me to be standing. <clears throat> now, as I talk about a few of these things, I say them to the glory and praise of God. And because we want all praise to be given to Him, and because we want our thoughts focused entirely upon what God has done and what God has accomplished, I'm not going to mention any names 
whatsoever. There will be a time or two when I will have to refer to things and I probably will mistakenly refer to things with the first person because of the fact that, that it's hard to talk about things that, that you were involved in at times. So excuse me for that. But I'm not going to mention names of anyone this morning because I want us to focus on the fact that what we have this morning and what we are doing and the ministry of this church and the reality of this congregation and this church this morning in this place is because God has definitely brought it about. And I want you to be excited this morning about the fact that God has called you and me to have a part in this ministry and in this testimony. Now, as we think of the Santa Rosa Bible Church, a lot of you are not, probably don't really have any knowledge of, of where it all got started. And the Santa Rosa Bible Church started on Easter Sunday, 1936. And it didn't start in a nice building. It started in a rented room in the Old Sweets Business College, which I don't know anything about because that was prior to my time. And the church met there under the leadership of a godly pastor, <clears throat> a man that felt that God had called him to start a church that would be dedicated to preaching and teaching the Word of God. If there's one thing that has characterized all of the pastors of the Santa Rosa Bible Church in times past, it is this, that this church has been dedicated to and built upon the sound declaration and preaching and teaching of the Word of God. You see, the power of God and the provision of God is manifested in the world through the things that He does. But the power of God is also manifested in the Word of God and is reactive in lives through this Word because the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. The church was born in the midst of depression. And they went on for several years, four or five years, under the leadership of the founding pastor. And then God called him to another pastorate. And another one came. And after a year, God called another pastor to come to the church. And he was a young man. He was out of, of Biola University, and he had a great and, and, and moving and telling ministry here in Santa Rosa Bible Church. And it was during his ministry that the church grew and it prospered. They had moved from the Sweets Business College. Uh, the college had been sold and the building was being torn down. And so the church moved from there to a store on 4th Street. That store today is a drugstore. It has a new face on it. And it was an empty drugstore, uh, empty store. Uh, in uh, those early days of the church because in depression times a lot of stores had closed up. And so the God provided it for the church to meet in. They cleaned it up and they used it successfully. And as the young pastor came and he began to minister, it soon became apparent that they would need more facilities. They looked around and this was around 1942 and there wasn't really any place that they could find that seemed adequate or that would improve their situation. But somebody told them about a church that was for sale on the corner of Cherry and Orchard. That church is still there, by the way. It's over a hundred years old today. It was the old German Methodist Episcopal Church. Uh, and uh, the congregation had long since uh, fallen by the wayside. There weren't that many German-speaking people in, in the town. And so they made an offer to buy it. The church ignored them for a while, but eventually they came back and they agreed upon a price. They could buy the church and the parsonage for $3,000. You say, my, that must have been easy. No, it wasn't easy at all because nobody in the church had much money. And they really didn't have any wherewithal to come up 
with the $3,000. But one of the things that I discovered as I look back over the history of the church is this, that God has always provided the means at the, at the right and proper time. It's been exciting as you study the history of the church and as you live through it to see what God has done in this regard. Now, little girl, little girl, were you supposed to be out there? Because you can't run in and out during church. You have to sit quiet during church. Okay, it's been exciting to see that God has always provided the things that are needed at just the right time. And you know, there was an older couple that had been on a farm up in Healdsburg. And they had sold the farm and they had moved down to Santa Rosa, which was a town of about 10 or 12,000 in those days, to retire. And they were the ones that came forward and they were willing to lend the church with some of the other, uh, lend the money to the church. And so God provided the means for the Santa Rosa Bible Church to move into that building. But you know, it wasn't the Santa Rosa Bible Church. It was the fundamental church. Well, as time went on, God eventually called that young pastor. The Lord blessed. They got the church uh, uh, put into service. They got the parsonage cleaned up. And the pastor and his wife moved in. But then God called him on to further study. And so he left the church and he moved to, to Dallas Seminary to complete his training and his work for the ministry. And he carried on in the work of the ministry for many, many more years. God sent another man. This time he was a man who was greatly interested in missions. In fact, he was so interested in missions that at the end of five years, God called him to be a full-time missionary to preach the gospel to the Jewish people down in the area of Los Angeles. Now, following that, another pastor came, this time from the Midwest. And he was a man who was very able. Under his leadership, the church totally reorganized and made developed a new constitution, the constitution under which they live, under which we operate today. And before he left, at the end of about a year and a half, they had written, they had taken a new name. The old name was the Fundamental Church. Well, that began to be misunderstood. You know, there was a time when anybody who was kind of a radical or a little bit kooky was called a fundamentalist. How many of you remember that? There was especially one group that got very prominent, a group of fundamentalist Mormons that practiced polygamy. And a number of people would call the church from time to time, and they would ask uh, if this was uh, associated with that. I don't know whether they were for it or against it. But uh, the people of the church decided that they needed to change the name. And so a new name was changed before he left, and the new name was Santa Rosa Bible Church. And so that's how we have the name Santa Rosa Bible Church that, we're, that we uh, have, have kept even to this day. In 1954, he left, and a young pastor was called, who was not a pastor, to fill in. He was still a Bible college student, and he hadn't quite finished. And they invited him to come and fill in for a few months while they found the pastor that God would have for them. Well, he stayed on, and he stayed on, and he stayed on, and he stayed on, and he's still here. <laughs> well, you know, as we, as we think back now, and as we look at the, some of the things that God has done, we just marvel and we rejoice in what God has done. In the first years of, the, of that ministry, the, God blessed in a measure, and, and, and people were added to the congregation, but not in large numbers. And then one day, or one summer, God 
took four of the main families of the church in one fell swoop and moved them all out to other places. Board members, elders, whatever you might, uh, uh, and, and Sunday school teachers, youth workers. It seemed like the, we, the church was just getting a foothold. It was just beginning to make an impact. And all of a sudden, God pulls everything and sends them off to other places. I'll never forget the end of that summer. It was, it was the Labor Day weekend. And everybody else that was left was gone. And that Sunday, as I looked around and saw what was left, I realized the only teacher in the Sunday school were my wife and myself. And I remember saying to Joyce as we went to church that morning, you take everybody from 10 down and I'll take everybody from 11 up. <laughs> and that was Sunday school that day. Well, wouldn't you know it, that that was the Sunday that a brand new family just moving to town visited. They had a whole raft of kids. And I thought to myself, oh, why did they visit today? There's nothing going on. Everything's in a mess. They will not be impressed and they will never come back. But isn't it wonderful what God does? They did come back and they became a tremendous blessing in the church. In fact, they took over the youth ministry and God richly blessed them. And they had an impact not only in the church, but also in the community. He went away eventually. He was a Marine recruiter and he went away eventually to Bible school, became a pastor and is still today serving the Lord as a missionary in full-time missionary work. It's exciting. You know, as I think back on those days, one day I said to him, why did you come to our church? That first Sunday must have seemed so dismal. He said, well, I'll tell you what we did. We visited a number of the other churches and we finally decided we better go help that fella because he needs help. Well, you know, when God begins to bless and when God begins to move in lives, it's exciting to watch it work and to see it go. And, you know, and, and, and people begin to come and people begin to get saved and young people begin to turn their lives over to the Lord. And, and God sent many, many people off to Bible college and Bible school. And, and, and the church began to fill up. There was only 100 people to fill the auditorium. But then we filled it up and then we had to move the preacher out of the past, out of the parsonage. And we had to fill up the parsonage with all of the Sunday school classes. And we had everything we could possibly get. And then we had double services and we didn't know what to do. And we said, we have to find some other quarters. But we didn't have any money. <laughs> and we didn't know what to do. We had been praying very much about where God would have us to, work, to, to, to locate. And God had laid on the heart of the church the east side of town, Rincon Valley. There was nothing on the east side of town in those days. There was nothing on this side of, of Santa Rosa that people could come to and could hear the word of God except for a very, very small Sunday school that was just barely getting along. And God laid this valley on our hearts. I believe with all my heart that you're sitting here this morning because this is where God wants us to be. I believe that with all my heart. Well, there was a man that was developing lots of things in Santa Rosa. Maybe you've heard of him. His name was Hugh Cotting. And Hugh Cotting was just developing things right and left. And one day I went to Mr. Cotting and I said, Mr. Cotting, I heard that you built the Church uh, of, of the Roses with one day. And it was a volunteer job. And you just gave that to that denomination. And I thought, now, what would you cost? We, we'd like to locate in Rincon Valley. And you're building lots of houses out in Rincon Valley. What would it cost us to have a building site in Rincon Valley? He said, well, 
we're just starting a new subdivision out there. Uh, it's right over there by Montecito, and, 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 uh, and, and we're going to call it Mission Boulevard. And he said, we could give you a building site there for $28,000. I said, well, thank you. <laughs> and we went back and we told it to the board, and we all looked around rather despairingly. And we said, how in the world can we possibly do that? And I remember we were talking in the board meeting one night and some of the men said, well, I know that if God wants it, that God can do it. And one man said, uh, you know, if, if God wanted to, we could go to the church next Sunday morning and somebody could drop $10,000 in the offering. And one of the fellows said, he happened to be the treasurer. Treasures are like that. He said, if that happened, I'd drop dead. I'll never forget that. And I said, George, I can mention him because he's with the Lord. He didn't drop dead, but uh, <clears throat> I said, George, don't say that because it could happen next Sunday. God isn't limited. Isn't that wonderful? That God isn't limited. We'd been praying and there was a gentleman in the church who had 55 acres here in town. And he said, now, I said, if you folks would like some of my land, you can have it any time. And we all looked at him and said, well, yes, yes. But we know where your land is and, and we, really, we really don't feel that, 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 that thank you very much. But no, we couldn't build a church there. But then we began to pray. And one day I was in my study praying. And as I was praying, I was saying, oh, God, help us somehow to get the money to move where we believe you want us to go. And suddenly, it just seemed like God spoke to me. He didn't speak out loud, but it just was just so direct. And he said, well, I've offered you land and you don't even look at it. So I got up off my knees and I jumped into my car and I drove out to the man's land and I drove through it because they just put a brand new road through his land. You see, Mendocino Avenue, the hill there had been falling apart. Some of the houses had fallen down. You can still see the empty foundations up there on that moving mountain on Mendocino Avenue. And they had put a brand new road right through the middle of his property in order that they might uh, serve the homes that were still remaining up there on top of the ridge. And I looked through it and I said, well, maybe we could. And so we, the board met and we met out there and we said, well, it isn't the side of town we wanted. But if, well, yes, I guess we could. And we picked out a little knoll and we said to the man, oh, where can we have it? He said, anywhere you want. I said, anywhere you want. Yes. Well, we said, okay, we'll pick out this knoll. How much can we have? As much as you want. As much as we want. So we, we, I think we surveyed out three and a half acres. And we started building the plans. And we started get, uh, developing and, and, and talking about selling the old church. And, and God was, was around here. Well, guess what? It didn't rain the rest of the day. And that slab was the best slab we had. It cured in that nice, quiet, moist air, just the way you want it to cure. And the man that lived next door, when he came home, he said, Oh, he said, I saw you pouring that this morning. I guess it's ruined. I looked in the paper the next day. Guess what? It poured in Santa Rosa, in the city. It poured in Kenwood. It poured in Sonoma. It poured everywhere except in Rincon Valley over our slab. Oh, you say, Pastor Graves, that's just coincidence. No, it isn't. That's our God. That's our God. I wish I could just tell you so many things. You know, one day, I, I just can't believe the way God meets needs when they're needed. 
I remember that the church was was in a, a very difficult financial situation. I remember there was an older couple that had come to uh, to me for counseling. They were up in their seventies. I remember one Sunday the treasurer said to me, Pastor. I don't know what we're going to do. We have taxes and we have some assessments coming due this week. And we need, we're, we're, we're $1,000 short. And we don't have the money to pay it. And that old, older couple had been in church. They, never, they didn't come to our church. They went to another church. The only Sunday they ever came was that Sunday. I'll never forget it. And as they were going out, they handed me a little envelope. And I stuck it in my pocket. And I left it there. And I didn't even think about it until the next day. And I was thinking about that money, that $1,000 that we needed for those bills. This is just one little incident. And I reached in my pocket. Well, you know, I don't have to tell you the rest of the story. I reached in my pocket, opened up that envelope, and there was a check for $1,000 to Santa Rosa Bible Church. I called the treasurer and I said, these people gave me a check for $1,000. They made a mistake. I think it was for me. No, of course I didn't. <clears throat> now, friends, I could tell you story after story like that. It's absolutely thrilling what God has done. Time came that God filled the building up there. People were saved and people came in, the town grew, and the time came for, for this place. Well, in the meantime, we, the God had led us to buy four acres across the street for $20,000. He had led us to buy the nursery school next door for $100,000. And now the time came when none of all of those facilities needed to be developed because, you see, God had helped us to start a school. We'd started a school with nine students. Everybody said, it's crazy, it's ridiculous. Nine students and one teacher, but God blessed. I can't tell you all of the miracles that took place there. But today there's a school of over 400 students with about 30, 30 on the staff. You know, dear Christians, God does great and mighty things. Well, we needed to build, and we found a man out on Montgomery Drive that said he would sell us his vineyard for $250,000 cash. And we looked in the building fund, and we had about twenty-five. But you know what happened? We put the four acres up for sale, and we sold it, and we put the nursery school up for sale, and we sold it, and how much money do you think we had in profit from those sales? When we put it together with the building fund, we had $250,000 and a few cents left over. <laughs> and we bought it for $250,000. Again, God looked ahead, didn't he? We bought four acres for $20,000 and we sold it for $125,000. And we bought a nursery school for $100,000 and we sold it for $175,000. And all of the time, you see, God was taking care of us. Isn't that exciting? And so we bought the land for 250000 One of the things that came right away was the fact that there was a vineyard there. We, weren't, we didn't own the land more than about a, a, a three or four weeks. And a farmer called us and said, I've been taking care of that vineyard for the last few years. Let me take it and run it as a sharecropper for you, Pastor. And uh, what, what we'll do uh, uh, is uh, I'll... Uh, I'll share the profits with you 50-50. We met together as a board because that would be enough to take care of all the taxes and it would have helped make, uh, uh, you know, help us with some of the improvements. But you know what? We took a position as a church and I've always been grateful to God that we did. You know what we did? We said, no, sir. Alcohol and liquor is a curse in so many families. Some of the people in our congregation have been delivered from alcoholism. 
And we do not believe that God wants us as a church to get involved in the, in the winemaking business. Now, some people said, I think you're going a little too far there. But we said, no. We don't want a testimony to be known in this city that the Santa Rosa Bible Church is in the wine business. And you know what I believe, dear Christians? I believe God honored that. But we didn't trust ourselves. So you know what we did the next week? We took some tractors and trucks out there and we pulled every one of those vines up so we wouldn't get tempted. And you know what God did? We had land, but we hadn't any money. And we said, we've got to get a million dollars. And so we began to ask God for a million dollars so we could start to build. But you know what? A month later, a man came to my office and he said, would you folks sell that property out there? You've just annexed it into the city. We'd like to have it for a retirement facility for older people, the Episcopalian denomination. We can't find any other place in Santa Rosa that we can build on. Would you sell it to us? I said, well, what do you give us? He said, I'll give you a million and a half cash right today. I talked to the board. I said, you can't do that. We've only had that for a year. You mean we can make $1,250,000 cash on a piece of property and investment? That's a good return, folks. $1,250,000 in one year. Don't ask me how I do with my own stuff. <laughs> it's a mess. <laughs> Is that the will of God? Where are we going to find some more land? Well, there's some land out here on Badger Road. There's 18 acres out there. How much do they want for that? 350000 But that's not annexed into the city. I know. I'll tell you what, sir. We will sell it to you contingent upon the fact that we can buy this property over here. And uh, in other words, we want to cover our bases. He said, no way. You either sell it now for cash. That's it. Wow. God, is this what you want? You see, sometimes God makes it tough. <laughs> what if we can't get it annexed in? Then what are we going to do? We'll have a million dollars and no, no place to go. So we said to this fellow, okay, we'll buy it contingent upon the fact that we get it annexed into the city. This fellow said, no way. You buy it as is or there's no sale. You know what we did? We prayed. We said, okay, God, are you in this? Are you leading? Are you directing? And dear friends, I want to tell you this morning, God gave us peace perfect peace. You know what we did? We sold that old property for a million and a half and we bought this property for 350000 And we put that million and a half in the bank. Well, a million one hundred and fifty in the bank. And guess what? You know, God is so wonderful in His timing. The interest rates were the top of the, top of the list at that time. And you know what? We were getting 17 and 18% interest. We, we totaled it up one day. And for the next six to, to nine months, we were getting in that account $300 every day. It was terrific. It was tremendous. It was beyond belief. He not only gave us the money, but he gave us the additional increase besides. The city manager said to us, you folks better stay where you are. He said, if you try to annex that property on Badger Road, I will oppose you with everything that I have. I don't want you in the city there. And I will speak to the council and I will tell them not to do it. And everybody knows, if you read today's paper, that everybody on the council always does what the city manager says. But you know what? They didn't. And when the council voted, the manager spoke against it. 
But when the council voted, they voted four to one to let us annex, and that's why we're here today. God is good. We needed $800,000 or more to get the project finished. And we said, where are we going to get it? We went to the banks again. The bank still said no. In fact, one of the bankers that turned me down was in the first service this morning. <laughs> I won't tell you which bank it was. He was laughing as he went out. There wasn't anything he could do. The director said, we want nothing to do with loaning money to churches, and particularly at that time, because there had been some old things happen that were rather negative with reference to churches. And boy, I tell you, the banks were standing off. But you see, every time you need something... And it's God's will. God's always there. And you know what God did for us then? And this is, this is one of the great answers to prayer. God put a man in our congregation who was a personal friend of the president of one of the great banking institutions in the Bay Area. And because of his personal friendship, that institution loaned us $800,000. Well, I could go on and on this morning. When it came time to, to put that into something else, we then sold notes to our own congregation. We sold a million dollars worth of notes in a month and a half. They paid 10% interest. Some folks were upset about that. Some folks said it will never go. It'll never fly. You know what? Today, I have people that call the office all the time and say, if any of those notes come in, if anybody wants to sell them, let me know. Why? Because they pay 10 and 11%. And that's a lot better than the 4% you're getting at the bank. <clears throat> We've already paid back over $330,000 of those notes. God has been, has, has met us. God has been with us. Dear Christians, I wanted to share with some of you who have never heard just a few of the things that God has done to bring us to this place this morning. You see, when you and I reflect on what God does, the psalmist says it strengthens our faith. It helps us to put our confidence in God. When we look back and see what God has done, then we're not afraid to look ahead and walk with Him the next step. Isn't that right? If we know that God is directing, if we know that God is leading, it gives us confidence. But it does something else. It also helps us to be obedient to His Word. You know, Christians, when I come in this building and when I sit down in this place, every time I come in here practically... I say, God, you are a great God. This is a visible testimony to your faithfulness. I don't say all of those things, but that's how I feel. And you know what that does? It helps me to remember to obey him. Reflection on the wonderful works of God produces confidence for the days ahead. And reflection on the wonderful works of God produces obedience in your heart to the Lord. I've just told you one or two things this morning. I don't apologize for it. I just want you to know what God has done. But I want to read to you from the book of Joshua as we close this morning. Because you see, the last part of the question that I ask you today is this, where are we going? And I say to you with confidence, we're going where God directs us. When Joshua stood at the head of the nation of Israel, when Moses had died, he said to Joshua, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now get up, Joshua, and cross the Jordan. 
Lead all of these people to the land which I am going to give them. Every place on which the sole of your foot treads, I have given it to you. And then in verse 5, And no man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I have been with Moses, I will be with you. I will not fail you. I will not forsake you. Dear Christians, the God who has brought us this far is going to be with us in the days ahead. I believe that with all my heart. We stand on the threshold of a new building program. I believe with all my heart that this is God's time and God's moment to move into this new building program. God has already been providing. Last year, He gave us a house on Mission Boulevard. Our building fund is up now to almost to $250,000 and growing all the time. And we praise God for it. We've just completed the sale of the old property for $950,000. God is going to move. We only have another 400000 probably to raise. That's hardly anything, is it, when you're dealing with this kind of a God. I'm excited about what God has done, and I'm excited about what He's going to do. Are you? I'm excited that I'm going to have the opportunity to be a part of it. Oh, my friends, reflect on what God has done. It'll give you confidence for the future, and it'll help you to remember that it's important to obey Him at every step of the road. Hey, no, God's not just blessing here. You know, God honors faith. As I said when we talked about the property, God doesn't always make it easy. It would have been great to have all the contingencies, but God says, no, I just want you to trust me. Heartstone has been there for a number of years. Recently, God sent to us a tremendous couple to take over in leadership, and we turned them down. Because we said we don't have the money to support them. By the way, they're going to be here tonight. It's exciting what God is doing. But then at the next meeting, we thought it over. And we said, well, wait a minute. We've been asking for the right kind of leader to come in. We have former leaders that have done a great job. But now God has sent another one. And they have the skills. And they have the desire. And we don't have the money. But by God's grace... We feel that they are the people and we're going to ask them to come. And guess what? They came. I praise God that they're the right kind of people. They came trusting God. And we're trusting God. At the board meeting of Hearthstone yesterday, I'll just share this with you. We discovered that the lumber industry up there is very interested in harvesting some of our logs. Selected logs. Now, we've owned that property for a long time. We sold some timber a number of years ago for $12,000. Do you know that the price of lumber, because of the spotted owl, of course, has gone way up? Do you know what? A conservative estimate of just the lumber that we now have to, to log is over $200,000. We voted yesterday to sell it. And I believe, again, that what has happened is that this, when God's people step out and follow God where He directs that God is with us, isn't that exciting? Isn't it? <laughs> I think it is. I think it is. Where are we going? How do we get here? We followed the Lord. Where are we going? I trust with all my heart that we'll follow Him in the days ahead. If we keep going where He wants us to go, He will not forsake us. Father, thank You for what You've done. Thank you, Lord, 
for so many times that you stepped in. Lord, as we think back over the years, there's just miracle after miracle of your provision. Lord, not just in in financial matters, but Lord, in the area of of sickness, in the area, Lord, of, of, of lives, changed, transformed, set anew. God, we thank you for what you've done. We thank you, Lord, for the many, many that are out in the work of the Lord, the service of the Lord, missionaries and and teachers and pastors this morning. Oh God, we ask that in the years to come that there'll be an increasing number that will go out from this place. And Lord, help us to reach this city. Help us to win many to Christ. God bless us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This message has been brought to you by the Santa Rosa Bible Church. Our mission is to see the lost reached and believers transformed by Jesus. You can find out more information about us at our website at srbible.org. Or you can visit us in person at 4575 Badger Road in Santa Rosa, California. You can also reach us by phone at 707-538-2385.